0: Oh, sometimes you just can't ignore the excitement. I'm telling you, it's the Fourth of July tomorrow, isn't it? Is this true or not? You know, I came in here, and I was all ready for celebrations tomorrow, and I find out that everybody here on the station, except me and other low-class menials, are transcribed. I had a Roman candle that I was going to give to uh, Pegene, and I had uh, I had some sparklers for Count Frederick's, there, there he is, this old Carl. Uh, get out of here. You're going to blow up the joint. <laughs> Help, police! <please>. That's <laughs> some sparklers for old Carl Fredericks here. And I, and I had had a wonderful, I'll tell you, I had a wonderful Roman candle that I was going to give to John Gambling. I even knew how I was going to give it to him. Uh, yeah, yeah well, there's a lot of things you can do with Roman candles. And uh, I, I had a, a couple of skyrockets that I was going to use on, on uh, Martha Dean. I other had I had a wonderful thing for uh, Arlene Francis. None of them are going to show up here. Stuck again. You know, and it is true that this is this is the Fourth of July. It's a funny thing. Uh, uh, last night, or was it the night before last? You know, Fourth of July is a very strange holiday, and I don't uh, I don't know quite how to approach this. Uh, every year, I get about uh, oh X numbers of things from people who say. Please repeat the stories about the 4th of July that you have told in the past. Well, uh, they're not stories. They're... Act- hello, hello, hello. Crummy earphone. Hello. It's just cheap equipment around this joint. I'll tell you, we got all kinds of little things that they ordered from, from the Johnson & Smith catalog about 25 years ago. You know, microphones that you press to cut in on radio programs to fool your friends and do the commercials. You know, those little crystal little crystal set earphones, a little pair of tin cans on my head here, all this cheap stuff. You'd be surprised. You know our transmitter came as a kit from the from Allied Radio? It's a funny thing. Yeah, it was one of those things. Learn radio. the easy way. and Learn to read circuits. And they put it together. Mr. O'Neill's been making dough ever since with it. Funny bit. You know, that's the trouble. Some of us just waste our substance. Other guys put it to good use. <laughs> it's like a gigantic peat Humus bog. yeah. yeah. I know. Well, you, who says I'm kidding? Who ever heard of a humorous kidding, Ted? The only guys that kid are the serious guys. I out loud! Don't kid yourself. There are more guys kidding and more pulpits across the country. Oh, that's another thing. More, more politicians kidding than anything you ever saw in your life. But uh, here it is, the Fourth of July coming up, and I'm, I'm not going to, I'm not going to tell a Fourth of July story of the kind that, uh, that uh, you expect. It's a very it's an odd thing. You know, it's, I'd say that that there are times, uh, about a half a dozen times in all of our lives, when we discover the thing that we really are, which is a big, fat, sentimental, taffy apple, each one of us. Now, now we fight like, yes, that's true, we fight like mad all the way through our lives trying to cover it up, especially in today's life. You know, 20th century life has got to be very hip and you have to be right on the ball, you've got to grab a hold of the handlebars, and you've got to kick the old thing and go. You can't mess around like that. You, 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 you just can't sit there in the middle of, a, of the second act of a musical and weep. I mean, it's ridiculous. Especially if you're going to read the voice and all that stuff. You've got to be really bugged, and that's the, the opposite of sentimentality. Well, I'm going to tell you a very embarrassing story uh, about Fourth of July. It's an army story. And uh, I'm sure that there must be 87 million guys around in the neighboring area, listening-type guys, who were in the Army on a 4th of July one time or another. Jack, you must have been in the Army on many a 4th of July. Oh, no, no. (laughs) No, you, you know what I mean, what the Army does on the 4th? Well, the Army does a lot of things on the 4th of July. Yes, it does. Sometimes guys are cleaning the grease trap on the 4th of July which gives you a wonderful sense of patriotism, I'll tell you. You're, you're going to learn all about it then. <laughs> the further you dig and the deeper you go, till finally it's up to your knees, and you finally know what Benedict Arnold was up to. Uh, but uh, all jesting aside, though, I remember one time, I'm in this, this place, and we're, we're going to have to get right down to the point where, where, you, where I suddenly found that I wasn't what I had thought I was. Now, when guys get into the Army or when they get into the co- into college or when they get into some kind of a gang situation, the whole general attitude is to put everything down, to put it down. Uh, if you're in college, you put down whatever college you're in. You just do. You Oh, come on, don't give me that old, oh, that Joe College stuff. Come on, the next thing you know, you're going to be out for football, you slob. Well, uh, it's just the way it is. A, no matter what college you go to... Uh, there uh, a good ninety-five percent of the student body. If you corner them in the commons, will say, "Well, what do you expect of a joint like this? This is a college. Come on, old man, gut stop in the math department. You call it a college? Oh, oh, boy. Well, I've, I've. Uh, it's just, it's just the tradition, you see. Now, in the army, it is also tradition to put down the army, the United States, everything else. Uh, oh, yes, absolutely. You spit and holler and you fight and and you, you, you drink Cokes, you, more than that, actually, and you, you chase chicks, and, you know, you, you put it all down. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. And and especially, you you have to learn to play it very cool. There's no such thing in the Army except at very strange, odd moments as patriotism. Now, whenever they write movie scripts, they always have Van Johnson with a kind of a tear in the eye leading the guys out of the shell hole, plunging forward, uh, into this in- impregnable German pillbox, and they're doing it for, well, you can hear the sound of the stars and stripes and everything playing about. You know what they're doing it for. You know They're not, they're not doing it because the captain is yelling at them, and uh, you got to do it. That's not why, It's a different thing. Well, well patriotism rarely ever enters the army, or very rarely. I remember this one time, though, this very embarrassing moment. I'll have to describe it to you. Now, I'll give you the scene, first of all. About, oh, I'd say about a half of the outfit that we were in this camp had gotten passes over the 4th of July and were gone. They were going to go. The other half of us were in camp, but they announced that there was going to be nothing doing except there was going to be a big parade for the townspeople who were near this place. There were were a couple of little towns around there. Have you ever been in a parade Really, I don't mean the kind that just marches down the street. I don't mean a high school. I mean a real, genuine, absolutely all-out, going-the-whole-way parade. Well, let me describe this to you, Ed. You give me a minute there. You can read that after the show. You just give me a minute here. I want to describe a parade to you. Put that down for a second. I'm in the Army. I, yeah, you put it down now. I, 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 all, all this week, my engineers have listened, and I've, now you're back again. Now, you listen. I've, I've, I'm sitting in the barracks. Now listen to me for a minute, then you, you can go back. Oh, I misjudged you. I'm sorry. It's just that look that you get in the eye. I guess that's just normal. Well, well. anyway, we're sitting around, and me and Gasser and Zinsmeister and a whole bunch of guys from Tennessee and some guys from northern Wisconsin, and we're in the barracks, and that afternoon we're going to have a parade. Now the parade is to be at 1 o'clock. It is now about 10 and they have told us, we've got the morning off to get our equipment ready for the big parade. I have been appointed guide on. One of the very few things I've ever been appointed ever in my life in the Army. Well, guide on is the guy who marches up in the... Fra- yeah. The... That's right. I'm
1: telling you, he's got a flag. Well, what do you call it? What do you call it? The guy with the flag. He's the guide. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. Why don't you guys come in and explain guide on to us? <laughs> anyway, I've, regardless of what they call it, I've been appointed the guide. I'm the guy that's going to carry a flag, and there's another guy going to carry the Signal Corps flag next to me, and somebody's going to carry the battalion flag next to him. Very exciting moment. And so I'm, 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 I'm sitting there, and they've given me my staff, Got a great big thing on the front of it, the big eagle on the top, and I've got this. The first time in my life, Jack, I have ever carried a flag. Is that it? The guidon bearer. Thank you, Major. (laughs) That's right. All right. All right. All right. Good. We've got a lot of Army men. I'm the guidon bearer. That's right. Okay. The guidon is the flag. Well, now, now we can get back to the program here, but. It's a very strange feeling, you know, living in 20th century America, you're you're torn between a lot of things. You're torn between being a babbit, on the one hand, which we all are underneath it all, which is a kind of a herd animal that moos, chews stuff and hollers and goes bawling. You're torn between that, and you're torn between the intellectual you, which is, in a sense, against all of this sort of togetherness. You know, you intellectualize it. Oh, come on, you know. Well, you're torn constantly in... 20th century America. And rarely do you ever go completely over to one side or the other. Well, now, in the army, I might say, there is, is there are usually large numbers of cross currents because there are guys from everywhere. and And sometimes guys will open up with one another and other times they won't. Generally, they won't. But you're sitting around the barracks and everyone is very cool. Guys are guys are cleaning their leggings, you know, and they're polishing the things. Other guys are polishing shoes, and guys are polishing brass. And once in a while, somebody says, Oh, come on, give me the blitz cloth, will you, Mac? And they're yelling back and forth. Nobody is... everybody is, is, is complaining, you see. The whole point is to complain before you go out on a parade. Whether or not you want to go out is beside the point. It is part of the tradition to complain. I wish I could use the real word. There's a much better word that starts with a B. Uh, this is the word that, that is, is done continually in the army at any point when anything is about to occur. Now, you will find generally that this is done even more when they're about to do something that's vaguely exciting because this is part of the coolness. Uh, you, you, have to, you have to always go opposite to what you really feel. So we're all sitting in there. And pro- we knew one thing that the crowd was coming in. There were thousands of people we could see going past the barracks. They were bringing them in in buses. And chicks, you know, chicks, oh, boy, all kinds of people wearing white coats. And It was summertime, hotter than the, oh, boy, it was hotter than the blazes of hell, I'm telling you. Because this is out in Missouri, and the sun is just rocking down, and you can smell mud, you can smell catfish. You can smell the river. You can smell the rocks heating up. And, you, you know, you can smell all the, all the shoe polish and the blitz cloths. And you can smell the, the, the pressed, clean fatigues and the suntans. You can smell it all. And the barracks, is a particular smell anyway. And, oh, it's a very clean sort of a sort of a GI soap smell in barracks. Because uh, they have the GI party every five minutes, and you're scrubbing the thing down and cleaning it up. It smells like a combination of shoe polish... Uh, This strong soap, uh, some cigar butts that have been just recently thrown into the butt can, which is down there at the end. You know what is it, a butt can? They have a butt can that's a big uh, fruit can that's nailed to one of the pillars down there. And there's a smell. There's a smell of wool. There's a smell of, uh, of hot tar paper. That's the roof where the sun is beaming on it. There's a smell of raw boards, which is what the barracks is made out of. And it's a very special Army smell. Well, we're all sitting in there, and it's, oh boy, is it hot! And and we're we're keeping our suntans for the last minute. We all had our our crisp, beautiful pressed suntans hanging up, and we're all cleaning away. And it's the Fourth of July, remember? We're very cool, and we're all looking out at the chicks. Another bus goes past. Wow, wow! All the girls are going by, and and one after the other, we can see. Families. We can see old le- old men and old ladies and kids and everything are coming in from this local town, where the biggest thing in town is a small movie house. That's about all they have in a pool room. Uh, it's a, it's about four thousand people. They got four hundred and fifty five bars, seventeen thousand army stores. That's about the the extent of the whole town. So Fourth of July in the army post is a big deal. I had never had this happen to me before. So we're sitting. And now it is about, oh, I'd say about 12 o'clock. We're about to have the big 1 o'clock thing. And they promised us after we would eat late today, after the parade, we would have chow. We'd have a special 4th of July chow. So we're kind of hungry, too, you know, which makes you a little excited. So we're sitting there, and the sun is coming down. And finally... One by one, guys began to put on their suntans. Guys putting on, I've, I've, got the, I've got the guide on the staff and the great big flag, and I'm holding it there. <laughs> and, thought, and, and they've taught me how to hold this thing. It goes in a, in a sort of a socket, you know, that hangs around your waist. Great big flag, fantastic flag. And on the top of it are these big golden tassels hanging down, big tassels hanging down. And it's, it's one of these huge flags that they use, especially for parading. Have you ever seen the kind of flags that have the gold fringe around the edges of it that is a very high-class flag, and it is one of these big, floating, silken flags. So I'm making snide remarks.
1: Hi, hey, Charlie, you say you want to polish your shoes? Ha, ha, ha,
0: ha. You know, that kind of stuff. You know you know how guys are.
1: Hey, Mac, hey, watch your terrible piece? Ha, ha,
0: You know, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm, I'm flubbing around with this thing, and it's got a case on it. You know, it's got one of these things that slips down over the top of it. And up to this point, it had been in the case. Oh, uh, speaking of flubbing around, this is WORAM at FM, New York. Well, it is now about 12.30, and we are now dressed. Most of us are dressed, and we have, they have issued to us for this special parade, uh, especially the guide-on-bearers, uh, guys that they, they had, uh, they had guys, what, what do they call them? Anyway, there's guys that march out in front and guys in the back, all kinds of various uh, outriders. Every, all the outriders are given white belts. We have these white belts and white leggings, which have been issued to us. Very clean. We're polishing these darn things. You know, I've never had this before. And and all of us are told to wear all of our brass, everything we've got. You know, we put the hats with the little buttons all over it. And we've got the buttons on the collar and the whole jazz. We've got patches on and everything. You see, but absolutely, we have to be clean. Have to be pressed and shined. And so that afternoon at twelve thirty, we start to drift out into the company street. I get out there, and uh, the first sergeant from Scranton is out there wearing his sunglasses sharp. Oh, boy, was he ready. He had stripes polished. You know, there are very few things that look more, more official and more, in a, in a strange way, a peculiar beauty, than a first sergeant's set of stripes creased right down the middle like a knife. You know, they just crease them right down the middle, and they go from, usually they go from almost to the top of the guy's arm all the way down to his elbow, you know, there's great big fat things laying on each side. First sergeant is out there, and he's lining us all up, Oh, right, let's go, you, come on, you guys,
1: everyone, the first battalion, let's
0: and they're yelling and hollering and blowing the whistles, and we start falling in, and Shepard falls in off over there to the right of the company with his guide on. And the sergeant hollers, "Take your, take your, take your cover off, Shepard! Come on,
1: let's go! We're gonna move out here in a couple of minutes. Take your..."
0: So I take the guy down, down a gas or somebody helps me slide the cover off, and I put this thing up, and it starts to float out there. You know, just that slight breeze, and it catches it, and it's laying down there and hanging. And once in a while, a little puff of wind, <laughs> And and it's it tugs, you know. It's a funny thing about a flag; it sort of tugs against you. You can just feel this thing sort of moving against you, tugging away. And they blow the whistle, and we start to move out. We do a right face, and we move out down the company street in the general direction of the parade ground. And on this parade ground, they had set up all sorts of little all along the parade, like a big football field, huge field. And they'd set up grandstands with bunting, and they had they had given these people souvenirs and all kinds of little flags and little things in the hats they were wearing. And it was all along this wall, red, white, and blue bunting. And there was, of course, the big reviewing stand. Now, on the reviewing stand, there was the mayor of this little crummy town. Uh, I, I, I wonder where he is now. But there's the mayor, and he's wearing a high silk hat, probably the only high silk hat in southern Missouri. He is wearing a high silk hat. He's got a cutaway coat, and that sun is coming down. Boy, it's coming down. It's just rocking down, you know, just a, about 120 degrees. Yeah. Oh, yeah, and a slight sun steaming, hot breeze moving across. You could hear kids crying and all kinds of things. And there must have been, oh, I don't know, probably 2,000 soldiers or more, maybe more than that. I'd, I'd say probably closer to seven or 8,000 soldiers all lined up. And we were all lined up back of the grandstand, thousands of us all lined up in our battalions, in our regiments and platoons and companies, all lined up and we're in the second outfit, see, and I could see way up ahead of us, way down ahead of us is is this Brigadier General. He's marching in the lead. He's he's and he's commanding, you know, really with a sword, the whole business. I've never been in anything like that. Before or since. With a sword, you know, he holds a sword up, and all the way down the line the company commanders and the battalion commanders, majors and colonels and captains, they're all all wearing their their, their absolutely their 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 summer parade best, you know, the leather all over and straps. The swords and so on. Well, we're all lining up. I'm standing back there, and b- right behind me is Gasser, and we're all putting it down. Oh, come on, oh, that kid's a greasy kid. Oh, what are you talking? Oh, come on, hey, hey, hey,
1: look at the one in the pink dress. Wow,
0: we're all looking, you know, the whole bit. Nobody's paying any attention. And and way up ahead, off to the edge of the of the of the parade ground, not marching, but ready to fall into the column. Was the band, and they had a big band. This was a band that was recruited from the entire second army. It was a huge, beautiful band, and had had all kinds of guys from from bands that had been in the business for years. So they're a really good band, you know. They're they're way down at the far end, and they have a special kind of a uniform that they give the band. They have cross white belts on the front there, you know, and a couple of big orange flags. You could see the sousaphones catching the sun there. And they had flags. And way over to the edge of the the parade ground was the reviewing stand. On the reviewing stand was a famous... It was actually at that time it was a member of the cabinet was there. I think it was the Secretary of the Interior. I don't even remember his name, but I do recall it was the Secretary of the Interior, come to think of it. He was there. There was a a full four-star general, General Summerall, that's right, General Summerall was a full four-star That's It's coming back now. General Summerall is down there, and he's wearing the kind of uniform you rarely see except under very certain conditions today in the Army. He's wearing these high-water boots, you know, the kind, uh, like riding boots? Yeah, with the leather things. Oh, he's got the whole business down there. And he's wearing a... He's got, he's got campaign ribbons that go from, the, from his collarbone all the way down to his waist, you know, that kind of stuff, all the way. He just looked like a gigantic fruitcake, and all over the front there, like a big salad. And he's standing up there straight as a rock, and you know, we can see that's a four-star gen. a star, flashing in the sun, and he's flanked by a couple of brigadiers and a major general, and the whole bit, you know, oh, it's wild. Well, by this time, we're getting to have a funny feeling in our stomach, because it isn't exactly what we thought it was going to be like. Well, we're standing there, and then suddenly, we hear in the distance, we hear this hum. And just as we begin to hear this hum, there is a big artillery battalion off over to the left, way behind the woods. They go, and you can hear it echoing. We sort of straighten up, you know, and then it goes, they fire another one. And you can see the smoke rising. And once again, you hear it echoing from the hills. We're at the foothills of the Ozarks. And you hear it coming back. And this hum is going. <laughs> Another one goes. And all of the guys, I can hear the guys behind me. I can hear the rattle of their, their straps. Their, their rifles are getting slightly tighter and a little straighter. <laughs> you hear guys straightening up their rifles. All all their Enfields and their garands and their springfields are all polished. And they're straightening. And remember, all this time, we are standing at attention. We are waiting to go. And I can see right directly ahead of me, we're we're at a right face, you see. We're at a column right, right face. Directly ahead of me is our captain. He is standing like he has been molded out of ebony. He's just standing. Straight up, he's got this sword. You hear it getting louder and louder. And then we, we see out of the corner of our eye, we're all trying to stand at attention. Out of the left corner of our eye. We see these things coming. And there's this fantastic formation of B-17s. And above them are a flight of P fifty ones, and below them are a flight of P thirty-eights. And you just see them coming in. And they go roaring over the field at about three or four thousand feet. And all the while the artillery comes in. and they go off over the hills, and then we can hear... The whistles go. And the band starts to play. I can hear this band playing. Oh, no, Eddie, you play the wrong. Good old Eddie. The band starts to play. Hold it, Eddie. No, 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 wait now, Eddie. Oh, my God. Now, you just hold it up there. The band starts to play, and you can hear them playing way off in the distance, because they were, they were probably about... Oh, I'd say a good half a mile. I don't know uh, if you've ever been in a parade and you you are part of it, see, and you hear a military, uh, a military, a really good military band playing from about a half a mile away. And you can hear those planes are going away in the distance, way down, Eddie, real low, and you can that's ah, it, <laughs> and you can hear those you can hear those planes going off in the distance, and once in a while you can hear coming back from the hills. It's, Just a vague echo of those those fantastic artillery barrages. And we start to move out. We are
1: moving out vaguely against the wind. My flag catches the breeze and starts to move out behind me. It's pulling against me. And that band is playing. I can hear those guys marching. I can hear the canteens rattling behind me. It's insane. All of a sudden, we are marching. It's wild. We're going down to the end of the parade. behind us. You can
0: hear the sound of those planes coming back. Boom! The artillery again. Well, we marched right down the middle of that field. I want to tell you, the sun beating down. We marched down the middle of the
1: field with the general throwing salutes, standing there in front of us. We're marching with our eyes straight ahead. The old band isn't knocking it out. The crowd is cheering. People are waving flags, we can see those hills coming up towards us, towards where sort of the rifle range is. And we can tell to the left end of it, the... and the whole shebang begins a fantastic counter-march. Well, we're
0: cutting through there and my flag is floating a thousand feet above my head. It is an enormous flag, a gigantic flag. Next to me is this guy with this great big battalion
1: flag, an enormous flag, a big orange flag, with a big red shield right in the middle of it. In the middle of the red shield is a golden eagle. And under it, it says, Inhoctor Gricula Conch, in S Spitalauk, Thirty One, Sixty Second, 62nd Oberalis. We're marching forward. And a single Corps flag is off to the left, flying high with a big cross flag. That big white one and that big red one, we're marching
0: And then way off behind, all the way behind everything, you can hear our trucks going. We have all these great big green trucks, you know, prime movers, full of equipment, full of Leroy diesel engines, full of radar equipment, full of mortar equipment. They're
1: making a gigantic left turn. The people are screaming and hollering.
0: Let me tell you, all I can say is a very funny thing began to set in. When we marched the other way, we made a great big circle and marched right back again in front of a stand, you know, the whole thing going, flags flying. This general is marching out ahead of us, this brigadier, who later became a major general. I forget his name, but this this brigadier general two months later got his second star, and I suspect it was because of this day.
1: He is marching. He is holding his sword high above him. You can see it flashing in the sun. He is holding it high and then just as he gets to the reviewing stand, he gives his fantastic salute with his sword. General Summerall throws him a salute. The band roars out. Well,
0: do you want to hear any more? <laughs> Well, it was a very funny afternoon. It was a very strange afternoon. We we marched we marched back down the other way, and we got down towards the end. And the P51s, the P38s, and the B17s made another big pass over the field. And they pulled us all up at attention. And the general, General Summerall, had a PA system. And I can remember how he talked, because this was a very vivid afternoon for me. And strangely enough, up to this point, I had been the biggest put-down artist you ever heard in your life. I mean, you know, I was putting the whole jazz down. And I'm standing down there at the end of the field, and I got my flag down, and it's sunk down in that socket, and I'm braced against the wind. And it's, it's pulling you, you know, and you're trying to stand at attention while that flag is pulling. You should feel it rocking you back and forth. And, and the general starts to talk into the PA system and you can hear it floating out over the over the field and bouncing off the hills, and the people are all sitting there.
1: Hello, gentlemen, men of the 3162nd Signal Battalion, the 3164th, the 3167th, and the 814th Signal Heavy Construction Battalion, all elements of the 2nd Army, I want to salute you. And I would like to say that this is one of the most stirring demonstrations that I have seen in many years of service to the U.S. Army.
0: Well, all of us are standing there, and 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 it was hard to tell whether the general meant it. Jack, you've been in many of those things. Did the general mean it? Well, it's hard to tell, because we all stand up kind of a little. You can hear the band instruments rattling, and you can hear guys flubbing around with the gear shifts in their their tanks and stuff. You can always hear vague equipment creakings when everyone is standing there. And the general continues to talk.
1: We have a great task that lies before us. Many of you men will not be here one day, a year in the future. Many of you men are going to go into this war and not come back. I hope that none of you men ever regret being part of this great historical crusade. I would like to say that I want to wish each and every one of you the best of luck. And as an old soldier, I can only say, just take it as it comes.
0: Well, everyone sat there for a second, and he was through. He stepped back with a strange thing to say to us. He
1: stepped back. Our Brigadier General throws him another salute. You can hear whistles going up and down the line. The band picks up the beat. We make a great left wheel, and we are marching back towards the barracks area. Hear the people hollering in the background? You can hear the flames disappearing in the distance. You can hear the dishes being washed in the canteen. And we are marching towards the company area.
0: Well, we got back to the company area, and it was a very strange crew. We, arrives, uh, we arrive in front of the orderly room, and the, the first sergeant, everybody's covered with sweat now and dust, you know. Uh, we've been standing in the sun now. This whole event took about, oh, I'd say about two hours to take place. The sun has been beating down. The dust has been rising. That Missouri red clay has been rising up around us. Our, our, I, I can remember very clearly these uh, these white leggings that were very tight. These white leggings are now covered with a fine red film. You put your thumb on it and you leave a big red thumbprint. And the... Uh, <laughs> The, the crossed white leather straps that I had that held this flag were covered with all this strange red dust. We're, we're taking off our equipment. We're in the barracks. Never, not a word is being said. And guys are taking off our equipment. Nothing. You just hear clicks, rattles, and belts being unhooked. You hear guys putting stuff away, and you hear guys throwing bolts on rifles. You, Guys putting... Somebody blowing out his board... <laughs> blowing out his barrel, other guys looking up to the not, not a word is being said. It's very funny. The whole company is in a completely different mood. There's not one single put-down artist in the outfit, including me, including Gasser, including all of us. We're putting stuff away. <laughs> one by one, we began. Not, not, everybody is, is completely apart now. Nobody's saying anything to anybody else because we're all afraid. We're all, we're all very embarrassed at how we feel. And how we feel is the very opposite of all the stuff that we've been saying we feel. Well, we drift out into the company street one by one, and down in the middle of the parade ground, this is what the Army had done. I'll always remember this 4th of July because it uh, it was a very peculiar, it was a wartime 4th of July. The Army had set up, immediately after we marched out, the quartermaster outfit and the engineer outfit had set up about 500 big flat tables. And on the tables, the Army put its inevitable juice, what they call juice. <laughs> juice is the purple death. Juice is that stuff that they, that uh, oh, you know, this Kool-Aid stuff. Well, the Army never knows even how to mix Kool-Aid. If you, if you can think of the Army's following up on Kool-Aid, it did. I mean, it would either put too much in a 32-gallon jug or not enough. And it mixes this stuff and puts big chunks of ice in it. And it had the, it had the, all up and down, lined up on red, white, and blue tablecloths made out of bunting that the quartermaster obviously had been making for two weeks. It had big 32 gallon jugs of juice and thousands and thousands of paper cups with USQM on the side. I never saw paper cups with the quartermaster insignia on it. And they had enormous bologna sandwiches. <laughs> the only kind the Army knows how to make. You know. <laughs> and, well, of course, they call them something else in the Army which uh, the civilians who were eating them did not know. But they had enormous bologna sandwiches, tremendous bowls of of potato chips, the rubber potato chips that the army used for amphibious work. And uh, they're they're very hard and rubbery, and they come out of cans. Well, they had this all laid out, and we began to drift back. And up to this point, we had been told that after the parade, we were free. We could cut out. And if we wanted to, passes were waiting. We could go down and go into town. Strangely enough, instead of going into town, everybody began to drift back to the field. Drift back to the field. We got back on the field. There I am with guests. Nobody's saying anything. We, we start to circulate on the tables. And all these people. Thousands. It must have been the whole town. It must have been 4,000 people out of the whole town of this little Missouri place. 4,000 of them. Guys in freshly pressed overalls. You ever seen? <laughs> have you ever seen Missouri hillbillies in town on, on the Sunday or on the big... Oh, they wear... Freshly pressed overalls. They really do. They honestly do. And they wear a white shirt under them. And when they're being dressed up, Eddie, they button the top button. That's dressed up. They button the top button. And they they put a little something goose grease on the front of their shoes. And they put a great big yellow straw hat on. And there are thousands of these guys walking around, redneck guys, big fat women in blue aprons, millions of kids, and the most beautiful, I'll tell you, hillbilly girls are unbelievable. The most beautiful number. Uh, Al Cap is not far wrong, you know. Thousands and thousands of these beautiful hillbigs, and we're walking around there, and they are looking at us like we are 17 feet tall. Up to this point, we had just been rotten G.I.s that would come into town, and they would try to take us, you know, in the taverns. And everybody's looking at us, and we're walking around with our white leggings. And we feel, for the first time, we really felt like we were part of something that everybody not only understood, but in a vague way, honored, really honored. Walking around, take a big salami sandwich, standing there with my hat sort of cocked. You know, everybody's got his hat cocked, 50 times cockier than he should have, you know, pulled down. And, and all the guys are, guys have got their brass polished, and they're walking around eating salami sandwich, and sort of hanging around. Once in a while, when a lady would say something, you'd be very polite. Yes, yes, madam, yes, madam. Yes, madam, and I, I'm wearing my strap, you know, with the thing pulled over to the side to show that I was the guide on Barry. You know, the thing, and and little, gee, that was a very beautiful flag. I can't tell you. These old hillbilly ladies that come up say, "Say, son, do you happen to know a boy named Caleb? You happen to know a boy named Caleb? That's my son, Caleb. You know, Caleb was here in the camp a couple months ago. Was shipped all the way to the
1: West Coast, and I believe he's on his way to the Pacific. Do You ever know Caleb Seastrump
0: No, madam, no, madam.
1: Well, very fine boy, and you're certainly a very fine boy yourself. That's
0: beautiful flag you carry. And these old ladies were walking around, and some of them had brought baskets of stuff and were giving guys cupcakes. Cupcakes and cookies. And it's yeah, and it's oh, the, oh, women out there do that. They bring you, they bring
1: you jars of blueberry jam and stuff. It's a very wild scene. All the stuff that I put down, remember that. And just about twilight
0: now. Get the, just about twilight now. It's beginning to fade now. Some of the people are getting into their cars and leaving. The army off over in the hills, off to the right, proceeds to fire off probably sixteen million dollars worth of GI issued fireworks. When the army shoots fireworks off, it really shoots. Py- uh, really has pyrotechnics. To begin with, they started off with a bunch of star shells. This is the real stuff, you know. This is the stuff that the fireworks imitate. You're know? drifting down over the hills. Uh, at that point, two P-51s flying at about 10,000 feet came over and began to drop parachute flares. And they just drift down, and everybody is standing there, and it's getting quieter and quieter. And off in the distance, the old band is a plan, and we're all standing around eating our sandwiches, and the ladies are drifting in and out, and the kids are watching, and the big star shells and the skyrockets are going up, and it's getting darker and darker and darker. Uh, see I told you I'd embarrass you
1: <laughs> now what I what I want